Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the greatest San Francisco Giants baseball podcast of all time. And now here are your hosts, McCoveyChronicles.com site contributors Brian Murphy, Doug Bruzzoni, and Sammy Higgins. Hey, everybody's here this week. Uh, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni and Sammy Higgins. And joining us in a little bit, Grant Brisby. Guys, welcome back. Hi. Good to be here this week. <laughs> Good to be back. All right. Blown. Hold on. Let me redo really that. Blowing the dust off the podcasting equipment. Uh, last week, uh, I I tormented our faithful listeners with just me and then Michael Clare. I think that interview worked out. But now you guys are back. Real Giants baseball talk can happen and a fun, good show can take place. Right? Maybe? Yes. Can, can we still talk about ghosts, though? Oh, absolutely. I feel like we didn't... I feel like when we started the show, Doug, we kind of said we could talk about anything else, too. But maybe we That's didn't... True. We didn't hit it. We haven't hit that hard enough in the, in the, in the episode since. But yeah, we can talk about ghosts. My main... I was going to ask a broad topic, so maybe that will get us into the ghosts. But basically, how was your off-season, guys? Uh, do anything interesting? Let me be more gender-neutral. Gender how is your off-season, people? Do anything interesting? Uh, anything well, cool, fun? I'll start it off, and it, it goes into ghosts. Um, so I just moved, so I'm currently without cable and internet, but I'm in a nice new little apartment that's haunted. So, Whoa. yeah. Whoa. Didn't know that till last night. Did they, So they didn't tell you about it ahead of time? Um, no. Uh, and I haven't experienced anything, but apparently there's the sound of high heels on the third floor above us. So, And the third floor is empty. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. Nice. So ghosts. <laughs> ghosts. All right. Yeah, ghosts. <laughs> uh, maybe someone just trying out new shoes on the third floor in the middle of the night. They they could it's, have a shoe fetish. And well, there. so the building that we're in, my mom runs the, a shop downstairs, and then we have the apartments on the second floor, and the third floor is empty storage. So there's nobody up there with high heels. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes. Sammy... But apparently, if you, if you leave chocolate out somewhere in the building, she's apparently nice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I yeah. know. Okay. But you weren't expecting that. <laughs> okay, so a ghost eating chocolate. This is... We need, do you have, how did you come to know about this chocolate? Is this just common I, knowledge? <laughs> I don't know how they found out, but I, apparently one of the women that helped work at the shop downstairs said, oh, yeah, we just put chocolate out and she leaves us alone. Um, what if we don't <laughs> leave chocolate out? That's what I want to know. Yeah. And how did they determine it was chocolate? Did they try other things? Uh... I would have to do some <laughs> investigative journalism on this and I'll report back next week. <laughs> I left out a chocolate-covered cherry. She didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass on a Mounds bar. Did not like it. Didn't care for the coconut. Um, <laughs> Just gonna okay. keep a drink. Doug, can you top ghost? Can you top ghost floor? Top that at all? <laughs> I, I cannot top ghost floor. I, I was I was being entirely facetious with my. We should talk about ghosts. And then Sammy just called my bluff. Uh, so good job, Sammy. Uh, I, I went to Hawaii for a few days uh, in February. Uh, if you remember Kristen from last season premiere talking about uh, spring training, yeah. her brother uh, got married in Hawaii, so we went, and it was a very nice time. Oh, nice. excellent! Had that was that your first time ever in Hawaii? 
It was not. It was my first time since 2004, though, so it had been a while. So you're a pro. When you got off the plane, you were like, I know everything about this island. I'm good to go. <laughs> Well, so funny story. I actually did not remember that the Honolulu airport was such a disaster. <laughs> so I am the opposite of a pro. <laughs> uh, they probably have a lot of ghosts at that airport. If it's such I a mean, disaster. I mean, yeah, people ghosts. Do you want to leave? <laughs> Uh, I have no ghost stories. I, I only have from from life. I have one, but not any off season ones. So I can't <laughs> I can't top that either. And I was just really busy working during pretty much since July of last year till about Friday, <laughs> working in television and not being able to focus. Like literally, if I ever tried to focus on something else, uh, the job would just come and grab me by the hair and the and the balls weirdly and then pull in opposite directions it was very painful uh and just nope, had to do that well yeah. to do that is yeah. a ghost yeah. <laughs> i considered that that could happen too uh at night uh, sometimes it felt that way but yeah uh the i think the main thing that we need to talk about uh, which we did cover is that uh when we did that one last podcast with the dodgers did not win the world series fantastic Maybe this can just get us right into the show because now let's just do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anyone saw this or if you guys saw this, but Bernie Sanders was at Dodgers camp uh, I yesterday. Saw that. And uh, and I think I think we'd all agree that whatever criticisms people want to lob at Bernie Sanders now are entirely justified. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because Bernie Sanders basically lost the NLCS of politics. So, of course, he'd hang out with the Dodgers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say he, he probably, out of all the teams that he could that he could like with within his stated politics, the Dodgers probably come closest because they are willing to go over the tax and pay a higher tax so <laughs> to, to pay market rates. So there's that. They also are really good at, at bailing out uh, other teams that are failing. So I don't know. That's... <laughs> Uh, that's the this, this biggest stretch I could make. But basically, the Dodgers didn't win the World Series. That's still a good thing to think about, I feel. But yes. uh, we're going to ask Grant this in a little bit. But I want to ask you guys. I sort of touched on all this for myself last week. But I want to hear you guys weigh in. You people weigh in. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not mean to do it. I'm going to work I'm on that. Guy. Okay. Uh, you know, what do you think of the Giants' moves? What, what are your, what's your general feeling about what the Giants did this offseason? Go think, for it. I, okay, uh, I'm you know I'm pretty excited for this season. I haven't gotten to watch any of it or follow any of it as we discussed, but um, you know I've like seen the scores and stuff. But I'm I'm excited about the moves that they made because I think that they were the moves that made the most sense. Um, and if you didn't get ridiculously excited when you found out that Andrew McCutcheon was coming to the Giants, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, so I'm generally, you know, and this is the way that I keep couching it is that there's almost no way it can be worse than last season. So it's going to get better. And so I'm excited because last season was a slog. Uh, that is the most generous. Uh, that's the biggest <laughs> compliment to last season. Wow. A slog. <laughs> But, you well, know, the day in... last season being like, what? 
hey. Yeah. <laughs> those those uh, a Netflix show can be a slog in the middle episodes, but uh, what the Giants were last year. I don't know. Oh, man. Well, it just got to the point where, like, okay, they're not even losing in new and exciting ways like they were in 2016 at the second half. So it's kind of like they're just going to lose and it's going to be boring and then you're going to go home and go to bed. And it's a day in, day out. That was it. So, you know, it, it got old. So at least, you know, it, it, the, the 2017 slogan should or slogan should be it can't be worse than last year. <laughs> that if the Giants came in the 2018 with that as oh, their sorry, marketing, yeah, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> with, with that as their marketing slogan, there you would everybody would have to respect them. <laughs> you would have to be excited about the Giants by owning it and being that self-aware. Giants baseball, it can't be worse than last year. Their <laughs> slogan some year in the mid 80s, hang in there. Yes. I mean, yes. I feel like it's a similar thing. Was that 85 or 86? I can't remember. I think it was 84. Oh, okay. I, I mean, feel like it wasn't a really bad year, but it also, but 86 was you got to like these kids. Okay. Uh, I'm blanking on who the advertising firm is that handles the giant has the Giants account, and I'm sure they're already done with this off, you know, the campaign for this coming year. But man, that would be that would be fantastic. <laughs> and like I, opening I, day I, at AT and T Park. <laughs> Go ahead. Long said that in his press conference when he came over, because he was asked, like, this team lost 98 games last year. He's like, well, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Doug, come on. What? How? How was? Uh, how was uh, your feeling on this whole thing? So I've I've basically been writing articles all off season about how uh, it's hopeless and the Giants. Basically, I've been grinding it up and saying mm-hmm. the Giants should. Um, and that's probably not entirely true. Uh, for one thing, I did not. I really did not think they'd be able to get Austin Jackson and Tony Watson and stay under the luxury tax. That kind of blew my mind um thanks terrible economics of baseball (laughs) uh and that's a big that's a big sort of uh big upgrade to to the team i i will say that man they were really bad last year um i have an article coming out at some point this week assuming i finish it which i better um (laughs) which is kind of about that though which is like, yeah, so they had a long way to go, and it's not especially likely that they'll get all the way to the playoffs. I feel like, uh, you know, an 84-win prediction is the most optimistic side of reasonable you can get. But at the same time, that would be a huge upgrade, and it wouldn't be terrible watching them. And it's much better to watch that than a team like Tampa, which just gave up in the offseason for no reason. And so... You kind of have to respect it because Tampa last year, 80 and 82, and they trade away their franchise player. And yeah. so, and the Giants, 64 and 98, are saying, no, we're going to go for it. So we're going to collect franchise I, players. Yeah, exactly. We're going to just, just, they're like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. <laughs> and What's so, that? Haven't been good in three years? Who cares? Bring them over. <laughs> like, as much as I am not especially optimistic about their their prospects this year in terms of like can they be a really really good team like you know they obviously have no shot to win the division i think but i still am excited that they should be watchable most days and that uh which they were not last year 
and that they're trying that they they are trying. And so I think that's something that should be commended. All right. Well, like I said last week, um, I've been for every single move Bobby Evans has made as a GM, and that <laughs> has worked out twice, maybe out of like the ten trans like big player acquisitions he's made. And uh, so, and I even thought the Giants were going to be great or pretty good last year, going into last season. So, uh, I've decided just for the sake of my own sanity, yeah, it's there. The, the idea of them breaking the seventy win mark feels like a miracle. So, <laughs> so let's do the, do the predictions for 2018 <laughs> uh, along those lines. So Doug, you're, you, you feel pretty good about 84 or 82 or 84 wins. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 84 and 78. Okay. And I think that's pretty optimistic, but you know, why not? Yeah. What do I have to lose? <laughs> Sammy. So how many, they won what sixty four last year? Yes, they've yep. lost one hundred and twenty games in one hundred and forty games in the last season and a half. Okay, well I would <laughs> accept like sixty five or more because honestly I just want them to be better. I want them to be watchable. But no, probably somewhere, I would say somewhere mid seventies. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, yeah, that like seventy four and eighty eight, or like seventy five and eighty seven. Uh, that that feels. But I actually feel like that's even too optimistic. Uh, a question that um, I uh, I want to pose to the to the group is: Who is most likely to uh, dirt bike it this year? Nobody, if they know what's good for them. But <laughs> the dirt biking is a, it's a metaphor for really oh. screw themselves and therefore I the team. Yeah. I was like, literally, Madison uh, uh, Bumgarner would chase yeah. them down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I could have also said truck wash. Who's most likely to truck wash this season? Somehow Jeremy Athel. (laughs) He's broadcaster. (laughs) Leaving the Giants short, a man in the booth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, Athel. Sure, yeah. (laughs) It's always Athel. Yeah. It's always Athel. I'm going to say Jarrett Parker, who's going to somehow make the team, despite not deserving... um, of a roster spot. Um, I'm going to say Jarrett Parker. I think it would be like Mac Williamson, right? As he's like, he's like heating up and Boshi finally noticed him and was like, Oh yeah, we should let this kid play. And then he'll get hurt in the first game. Uh, I, I, think, I don't think it's going to be a catastrophically stupid injury though. Yeah. No, no, it'll probably be like, I don't know. We'll run into the, the wall again. Or was that Jarrett Parker last year? That was Jarrett Parker. That was Jarrett Parker. Yeah. Okay. I actually feel like Sammy, we need to reconsider our answers just based on the way that I intended the question to be, which was that who's most likely to dirt bike it this year, as in they screw themselves and the team uh, by their injury. So I guess it would be like if Buster Posey like committed election fraud or something (laughs) that that would be really bad for both entities. Um, So along those lines. (laughs) All right, I, I have a new I don't think I can top Buster think... Posey election fraud. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm saying Evan Longoria is finally going to find his Tampa Bay hat, and he's going to dive <laughs> to the bay, and like he's going to be out. An octopus is going to attack him. He's going to be out for two months. <laughs> he's out with an octopus. All right, yeah. Out, out with an octopus injury. That's right. All right, Long. All right, I like that. I like the Longoria, the, the book ending of that that adventure yeah. 
he goes bay to bay and then he's on a <laughs> DL. Yeah, I, that works for me. Um, I, I can't top that. I think that's well, no, I got Buster Posey election fraud. So, Buster, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, so spin I, the wheel, Sammy. Spin the wheel. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Say Johnny Cueto and ghosts somehow. <laughs> uh, Johnny Cueto spends a night in a haunted house just to prove that it's not haunted. But, but he never came back. And he doesn't come They don't find him or he doesn't reemerge until September. Uh. <laughs> That's the ghost of his horse, Popeye. Aww, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to resurrect Popeye, and uh, and mayhem ensues. Great, this is great. Lock these in. So Workshop. <laughs> whoever whoever comes closest wins the prize at the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> uh, real quick, we'll cover the spring training. No one really wants to hear spring training numbers or stats, but we, you know, and some analysis uh, is is warranted. Um, just looking down the line of, first I want to point out, Mac Williamson is leading spring training and hitting right now, which is nuts. Um, he's not going to make the team. He's got an option. But it's just fun to think about um, that he's doing so well in spring training. Um, Kyle Jensen, St. Mary's, is leading the Giants in uh, home runs, which is, which is fun because um, Kyle Jensen is not a guy you would necessarily expect. But if you think about spring training – that makes total sense. Um, Pablo Sandoval uh, is is hitting. Uh, this is before the game on Sunday, if you're listening. But he, Pablo Sandoval is hitting 348 uh, in 23 at bats. He's got he's got eight hits, which he may not have eight hits in any month this coming season. Um, I I think he's in the best shape of his life too. That's so true. That's true. Isn't everyone? Uh, yes. Brandon Belt homered in back-to-back days, and he's really starting to pick it up. And, um, you know, he's the third best hitter by OPS. Well, that's not true. He's the fourth best. Because, of course, Nick Hunley has, like, almost a 1,600 OPS. Nick Hunley, by the way, uh, I'm surprised, surprised, Doug, you were talking about that the Giants were able to get who they got to stand to the line. I'm surprised they were able to get Nick Hunley, and they didn't overpay for him. Because I really thought that Nick Hunley was going to get like $6 million just by based on the way they were talking about him. (laughs) I I did too. Um, I think what happened is that his agent was like, well, six, seven million dollars is what we want. And the Giants are like, uh, 278 on base percentage. (laughs) Five million dollars is what we want. Still a 278 on base percentage. Also, uh, can I take a moment to just uh, appreciate the fact that they didn't trade? They didn't trade Brandon Belt because I don't think that was discussed yet, and uh, that was what we were talking about at the end of last season. So that didn't happen. I just wanted to say I'm very happy about that. I too am happy, but let's be real—they didn't have an opportunity to trade him because no one knows who he is because of all the concussions that they had to I see how he was going to perform. Everybody was all on the—they're going to trade Brandon Belt. You guys just kept saying it just to heckle me. So I don't know if you were serious or if you're just trying to get a rise, but they didn't do it, and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah a little of both. Uh, <laughs> I, I was ju- I was just trying to get a rise. Uh, I had no idea if they were going to carry him. Buster Posey's barely played. Uh, does that concern anybody? No, he's what he's he thirty or thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It and doesn't concern. 
McCutcheon and Longoria haven't really played very much either uh, as of the numbers I'm looking at, but suppose he's played in two games. McCutcheon and Longoria, six each. Um, so not very much. Uh, they're, they're doing fine. Evan Longoria had a really nice opposite field home run in one of the few games I actually saw, like watched. But, you know, it's spring training. It could have been like an 85-mile-an-hour fastball. I don't know. But the point <laughs> is, uh, it's hard to know what we have in a lot of these guys still two weeks out. I do feel like you can throw away the more extreme numbers from the rando guys just because. Um, I I would say from the hitting standpoint, the Giants are uh, – it seems like they're hitting a little bit better than they tend than they have in the last couple of spring trainings when they've been pretty dreadful in all facets of the game. And not surprisingly, that translated to the start of the regular season. But it seems like uh, numbers-wise, on paper, the Giants are looking pretty good. I will say Joe Panic getting a lot of time as a leadoff guy. And Alex Pavlovic yesterday wrote an article about how Joe Panic looks like he's cementing the leadoff spot, which goes back to my, my pre-hiatus when Doug and I were very big on, hey, here's a leadoff hitter. And then the Giants didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that or maybe that was even 2016 when he got some playing time maybe it was after Nunez was traded uh, where yeah, he was I, like, I do remember it but I don't remember what year it was uh, it's all a blur last year is so bad it's easy to forget um, but you know essentially Joe Panic is a, the the parts of that article was Joe Panic's a hard he was one of the hardest guys in baseball or the National League anyway to strike out last year he does he does pretty well on both sides, like righties or lefties. He's pretty good. So he takes a lot of pitches. He's not necessarily, he's not a fast base runner, but he's a smart base runner. Uh, and so the Giants are kind of seeing all these different things. His on-base percentage is good. It's like 360, 370. Um, so there's all these different things uh, to consider about why he should be the leadoff guy. And I would say anything that makes the Giants good is what I'm for. <laughs> and I feel like getting out of whatever, they, they fired a bunch of people and brought in this whole new mindset about how we're going to do things. And if the analytics are, if they're going to rely a little bit more on the analytics and they have more coaches who are more analytic minded and everything's trending towards, hey, Joe Panic's a pretty decent option at the top of the lineup. I hope to God that's what they do. I hope to God that's what they finally <laughs> do. Because what's the other option? It's going to be Kaliste or Andrew McCutcheon? Yeah. Or Austin Probably Jackson? McCutcheon. Well, Austin or McCutcheon is not a leadoff hitter. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, roster can, lineup construction we can get into or whatever, but you know, I want McCutcheon hitting somewhere in the second to four, two to four range. Uh, I, I'm okay with moving Belt down for now because... Belt's, Belt, the whole idea of Brandon Belt on the Giants just has too much baggage. So at this point, I just want them to put him. I want them to put him somewhere and then leave him there and let him just play. Like pan, Panic Belt one too is what uh, Pavs has been saying uh, this whole spring training, I think, which would make sense even though it's two lefties. Uh, neither of them, I don't think, has especially bad platoon splits. So. I think it would work fine, but we'll see if Bochi can handle that or if he's like, well, lefties and lefties. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of why they fired everybody except for a couple of his guys, right? Was to change change that all up. Yeah. So we'll yeah, see, if so. It, see if it moves the needle at all. Uh, so hitting-wise, the Giants have looked slightly better. Pitching-wise, I think this is going to be the Giants' trouble spot. 
Um, we'll get into Twitter questions in a little bit, but I would just say it feels like the Giants are sort of back to where they were, you know, before this whole run of success, which is where the Giants are stronger hitting than they are pitching, and everything else is just find a couple of guys and hold on tight. <laughs> Uh, that's what it feels like to me. I mean, again, spring training numbers, who cares? But at the same time, you just look at who the what the talent is and what the personnel is, and it's just not it doesn't it doesn't make you go, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Bumgarner and Cueto and Samarja at those guys playing their best, it, that's probably enough to offset the averageness of the rest of the way. Uh, I don't know what the Giants have in Mark Melanson or Sam Dyson for a full season. Um, I, I I think I like I like the Tony Watson move too, and Will Smith coming back. Maybe that's something as well. I don't believe in Derek Law right now. Derek Derek Law is out. I'm I'm out on Derek Law. So to me, it's the Giants are very top heavy on the pitching side of things. And and then it's a big it's the depth problem that they've had with their whole roster for the last two or three years. Uh, they shorted up offensively, but I'm not confident in their pitching. You guys can uh, counter counterpoint me to death if you'd like, but that's just where I'm looking at it. That's how I see it. Looking at it. No, I'm I'm very worried about their depth. Also, I wrote about their their pitching depth already at some point this offseason, um, but their depth in the lineup is pretty worrisome too. Uh, like if any of their infielders goes down, what is the backup plan? Toby Tomlinson? Yeah. Pablo Sandoval? Yeah. That's not, that's not good. That's not what it, that, that's, you know, I guess they have Chase Darno. They have all these sort of minor league guys, but it, it is worrisome. And it's kind of worrisome in the way that in 2016, they had a bunch of middle infielders go, go down and they played Ramiro Pena. And uh, a couple other guys who were kind of funny. And none of them, and Pena hit decently well, but the other two were very bad. Everth Cabrera, maybe? Uh, that know. sounds familiar. Some <laughs> guy like that. Everth Cabrera or some other Everth Cabrera by a different name. And you could tell that the depth was hurting them in 2016. I think depth would hurt, would hurt them again this year if, you know, any of their, their infielders goes out. For any kind of an extended period, um, it's going to be it's going to be a hole in the lineup there, and so that's something to really worry about. Uh, Eduardo Nunez, Ramiro Pena, don't forget about Ari Adrianza, and um, yeah. Grant Green, Ruben Tejada, Gordon Beckham, Ruben Tejada, and Grant Green is who I was thinking of. <laughs> Ruben Tejada was the other uh, Everett Cabrera. I guess the last point of all this though is what. What does excite you about the possibilities for the roster? Grant, uh, the other day, published the idea that the spring training battles are basically going as expected. Excuse me, as as expected. Um, that everyone that they're hoping is going to battle for a roster spot is sort of doing what they're supposed to do. But um, one of those guys is is Steve uh, Duggar, and. For center field, and he'll probably still wind up going down to the minors just because of the roster management. But and the idea that Gregor Blanco is going to make the team, and he and Austin Jackson are going to be a platoon in center field. 
which on paper sounds great, but it's like one of these times where the Giants actually – what's exciting is uh, they wanted Duggar to basically be a competitor for this and, and make it interesting uh, for the center field job. And I've watched him play the games that have been on TV, and he looks good. I mean, it's, it is. It's refreshing that the Giants are like, hey, we have a young guy we'd like to see kind of battle it out. And then you watch him, and game to game, he's like, oh, he's actually competing he doesn't look overmatched. He's not bad. Um, and I think it's still a long shot for him to either get on the roster and or get like the starting position firmed up. But I would say what's exciting is that, oh, the Giants, and if Mac Williamson can hold what he's doing, it's like, oh, the Giants do actually suddenly have some options. As you point out, though, Doug, it's the outfield. It's not the infield where they have the issue. They have the issues on the infield, but the outfield, it's sort of like, oh, now they've they might have a little bit of depth they can rely on. Um, so that's exciting. And then from the pitching standpoint, I feel like we should be extremely worried about the last two spots of the rotation. And I will say I'm only partially worried. I'm only, I'm only worried, not extremely. I'm just worried. Um, I'm worried until like we know who it's going to be. Then we can get like really worried or not. Well, what does that mean? Probably going to be Stratton Block. Right. What if it's Stratton Block? Then yeah. How worried would you be? Yeah. Uh, you know, I would give them a chance before I get too worried. I don't know. I'm always arrogant, not arrogant, I guess, carefree at the beginning of the season. So I'm like, you know, I, I know. I, I'm like one of the ones, oh, let's just see how they do. And then then when they disappoint me. So you have no, oh, so then you're just like right now you're agnostic or you're just, you're just judgment free about what's going on right now. I'm not like, judgment free about everything. I just like at this <clears> point... One, it, it, you know, the fact that I haven't been able to watch the games helps me not judge as many people. Um, but have they actually set the four and five? No, it's just trending in the direction Doug mentioned, which is Stratton and Rat. Block. And I thought it was going to be Holland and Block just because they committed not insubstantial. They committed some money to Derek Holland and he had success as a starting pitcher. And I thought the, you know, the veteran, essentially, uh, and despite the fact that the Giants would have three lefties in the rotation again, I still thought, oh, I, I'm a big tie block guy because he's been so, like, solid. It's like you can't – he's just – make him the number – like, think of him as the number five starter. Great. And so in my mind, it's like Derek Holland probably makes sense in the Giants' minds as the number four starter because he's got the experience over Stratton. But, you know, that – any of those three guys in the last two spots – I guess Holland kind of bothers me, but I guess I'm not. That's why I said I'm just worried. I'm not extremely worried, um, right? Because uh, I'm very confident in BD being the very back of the rotation guy or uh, block, and so then it's up to it's it's two guys for one spot, and maybe n- neither of those guys light it up for or like make you super excited, but you're like, well, it could be worse. <laughs> like it could I'm, actually. I'm be actually worse. way more. I'm actually way more sure that Stratton's going to have a spot in the rotation than Blockwell. Um, Stratton down the stretch was really good for the Giants last year, and Block down the stretch was bad enough they took him out of the rotation. So I I would say that Stratton's got an almost, like, unless he totally messes the bed, because this is a family-friendly podcast, <laughs> um, which he has not done in spring training. I think Stratton's pretty much guaranteed a spot in the rotation and blocks the one who really has to fight a little harder for it. But I think from what I've seen from beat writers, block definitely has the edge on Holland for it right now. Um, Yeah. I mean, 
none, none of those names really excite you, but I guess, again, they could do no. worse. Yeah, no. they, you, could, you could probably do worse. And certainly the Giants are very capable of running out worse options. Uh, so, uh, so there we go. There's our two weeks out, a little minor spring training uh, preview, I guess, or review. And we'll bring in, we'll be bringing in some uh, other team guys or team people to do the recaps that we, uh, you know, the spring training slash season previews for the other NOS guys, uh, teams. And by then we'll have a better sense of how the giants are going to look one more point. Cause this keeps flashing up on my Twitter for some reason. Um, Hunter Pence, he's got what two hits. He had a grand slam, uh, yesterday against the Padres in the wind. But other than that, he had like one other hit, uh, Hunter Pence is old and injured a lot, and it's the last year of his deal. And I would say that in the first month of the season, the most interest not interesting, that's the wrong word. <laughs> the first month of the season, I would say that for me, all, all eyes are going to be, all, all of my eyes, I have more than two eyes, are going to be on Hunter <laughs> Pence, <laughs> on how that's handled. Yeah, so does Hunter <laughs> Pence. Uh, but it could be part of the problem. He could be having a lot of vision issues in all those eyes because uh, he can't hit. Um, I would say that how he's handled will either reflect or have an impact on the Giants' success in that first month of the season. Um, yeah, I, I think he's an important player. I think that part of what they did in getting McCutcheon, Longoria, Austin Jackson is that they were getting that kind of depth in the lineup, which is which meant that if Hunter Pence isn't good, he's not going to be as important um, to the Giants' failures as he was last year. And uh, if he is good, he'll just be another piece to keep the line moving. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's definitely important, I think, in that he, you know, he's the starting left fielder for at least two months if he's healthy. Like, it does not matter how bad he is. He will be starting for two months. So he should really hit well, is my opinion as a Giants fan. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. I want Hunter Pence to hit well this year. That's a hot take. <laughs> I Look, I'm known for my hot takes. I uh, I scorched the earth with my hot takes. I'm the general Sherman of hot takes. Okay, we've got Grant Brisby. You know him from the internet, but more importantly, he's the lead writer guy uh, of McCoveyChronicles.com. As of this moment, as we're recording it, that could change. But Grant, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a whole year since you've been on. Uh, wow. Really? A year? <laughs> yes. Uh, why, did, why didn't you ask me? Um, I it just slipped my mind. And then, and then when I, when Sammy and Doug were doing the show, they were like, nah, nah, we can do better. I invited Grant and Grant uh, declined. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of a butt I, when it comes to invitations. Like I, just... I told Sammy not to invite you because you're kind of a butthead when it comes to invitations. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I don't answer texts. I don't see my DMs. Like I'm just bad. I'm just bad. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, let's. I, I gotta get this out of the way because I'm very afraid I was gonna forget. Uh, congratulations! You are uh, the winner of the historical baseball analysis slash commentary award from the uh, Saber Analytics uh, Conference uh, Research Award. So Society for American Baseball Research says Grant has the best historical baseball analysis slash commentary of 2017. Uh, why baseball games are so damn long. So writing about a topical subject, way to go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I, I, I think you missed the part where this is my second Sabre Award. 
Oh, well, well, I wasn't yeah. saying you won your second. I just was like, congrats. I didn't mention it the last time. It's been a whole year. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's funny that like... I, there was I, no podcast the last time you won. So there was that. <laughs> That's my out there. He also won the 2015 award for uh, baseball commentary. Rumors, rumors everywhere. Nor any drop to drink. There we go. Uh, and you can read it all on SB Nation or go to the Saber site. Or continue stalking Grant, however you want to do it. Does that cover it, Grant? You're, yeah, very, you're very talented. We, we know that. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The, be- the best part is, is I wrote that for last year's MLB preview. And this year, like, I, I just finished the one for this year's preview. And it's total shit. Oh. It, is, <laughs> it is the worst. It is nothing nearly as, like, I, I'm not, I wasn't interested in writing it. I'm not going to be interested in editing it. So uh, good luck to me next year. That's the one that wins the Pulitzer. So. <laughs> uh, so we we asked uh, we talked about what we did during the off season. So I, I do want to ask you that question. I think it's very important. Everyone wants to know like what when the Giants when Pablo Sandoval knocked the Giants out of first place of the draft. When, like as soon as he hit home plate, besides drinking, what did you start doing? What what happened? Take us through your off season. All right. Well, that's not my off season because that that's when the day job starts. And then it's like the postseason and October is always just goofy for me. I mean, that's like, um, you know, I, I went to uh, Houston and, and then I flew back and then Houston made the World Series. And so I went back to Houston, L.A. and, and L, or L.A. twice. And he's like, so it's like November 1st is when I'm able to or November 2nd, I think this year, just go Ooh, and, and actually have a little bit of an off season. Um I, I played a lot of video games. Um, SimCity 4? Let's see. Let's see. It holds uh, up. <laughs> yeah, it does. No, I – well, actually, that is – that's pretty much what I did for the first half because I had a, a, a Super Nintendo classic that I've modded and have like, uh, you know, 200 games on it or whatever. Um, so I played a lot of uh, Final Fantasy – I guess it's three on the Super Nintendo. So, I, you know, I just, I just kind of turned my brain off and – played video games i went to disneyland um that that's something i did with the family that's our kind of a yearly trip we don't yearly go to disneyland but yearly we do something um you know like san diego zoo was last year this year was disneyland so so that's all that's i mean I, I, i live a very very dull life you spent so much time in southern california this off season and i'm so sorry no, it's great. It's great. Uh, uh, I did bother you for drinks one time. That was the other thing that happened now that I'm remembering. Now I'm talking to you. I remember that happened. That was fun. I like you, yeah. Brian. That was fun. Uh, that, and that was random. Like, hey, he's here and I won't have any work. It's, it's good timing. Um, yeah, so I, I guess everyone really wants to know, and you write about it this every day on the site, you know, gradually about the Giants, about what you think about these micro moves and but, I mean, you've been, not just been covering them. You've been a fan for a long time. And this is the, really the first time in our lifetimes where the Giants have been very successful as in winning the World Series for a long period of time. And then they crater. And now they're trying to, like, climb out of the ashes. I guess my question is, what's your long view or bird's eye view of what's happening this year? What's your feeling going into this year? I I like it. Like I like McCutcheon. I like I like, I, but I like the team last year too. Like going into the season, it was like you know, you know boy, they're really going to be good this year. You know, and they were just terrible. Um, so I, I, you know, I like the players. I like McCutcheon. I like Panic. I like Crawford. I think they're 
all to a man useful good players who should help any team win more games than they lose uh it just it it's just so hard to get over that hurdle of but last year they you know they they should have lost 120 games like last year was they were so bad you can't mentally get over that hurdle you look at all the names and you go yeah Cueto you know I think he'll bounce back uh Baumgartner yeah sure you know the uh McCutcheon and all these guys, and you can look at him to a name and say, yeah, th- this should work. And then your brain goes, ah, 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 remember last year when they swallowed their keys? And it's like, right, right, right. So that's why I'm leaning this offseason on projections so much. Like the projections are saying, yeah, they might challenge for the second wild card because projections don't have that mental hurdle. They're just dumb computer, you know, I don't even know if they're computers. I, I don't know how projections work. I just know that they're telling me what I want to hear. <laughs> Well, hopefully they're not Amazon Echoes where as they spit out each projection, they laugh. That ghoulish laugh. <laughs> Two wins above replacement. Uh, that's that's a healthy view. Uh, I, of course, take the opposite tack of it's impossible to look beyond that. The numbers are a joke. Uh, there's no possible way. Uh, I will say this. Uh, if you didn't know, if you're just listening to this podcast, which would be really crazy if people only listen to this podcast and didn't go to the site and didn't know that uh, Grant is is uh, taking a, a step back in his responsibilities on the site. Um, I I think you and you were very clear in your explanation post your not farewell, but hey, I'm I'm doing some different stuff here post. Um, I, I guess for your sanity. Uh, of covering all baseball now, do you just think by the sheer volume of teams and players, it will be? Uh, it, are you you're looking forward to that different kind of stress, right? As opposed to finding a different way to talk about the same Giants team from the last seven years. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not. People always ask me, like, great, now you're going to have. Well, first of all, the best comment that I got, and I got this like at least three dozen times, was, "Oh, congratulations! I can't wait to to start reading you when you start writing national baseball stuff." <laughs> Which makes me realize, like, right? I'm not. I'm not a big deal. Like, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not famous, am I? Like, it's. It's like I. I just. Yeah. I, I don't. I. People don't know that I write. National You're internet baseball. famous, Grant. I'm third tier internet famous. That's. That's different. <laughs> um, but like, I. You know, hey, I've all of you on Twitter. Don't discount that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I've always um, considered national baseball to be my day job and McCovey is what I do. Um, maybe it's because I do a lot of it at night because they, they play night games. Um, but I've always just in my head compartmentalized it like that. Like I've always had this day job. McCovey's always sort of been something that uh, they've been happy that I do. They've let me do, but it wasn't necessarily anything close to my day job. Uh, and it just started like to the point where, you know, I'm I'm old, I'm, I'm decrepit and I, I need more time and, and I'd like to meet my kids and stuff like that. So, you know, it made sense to me. But then when people are like, man, what are you going to do now? Like, this is such a weird and abrupt change. It, it really isn't like it's not an abrupt change for me. It's just going to be less recaps for the most part and less like I just finished um, writing something about the Phillies and then I go, God. Damn, you know, now I got to get something up about the Giants. I don't care right now. Um, so less, <laughs> less of that. I think it's better for everybody. Uh, I and then, But you're still possibly going to be doing the Giants Outsider show. Is that what I'm to understand? Yes. Well, it definitely will be. So you'll still be forced to watch them. I'm too, uh, <laughs> I'm too pretty to, to give up that. I mean, I, I can step back from the Internet, but my goodness, keep me on television. Well, I'd like to thank you for continuing to make Facebook part of the problem in our world because the show is simulcast on Facebook, right? So um, 
It is. It so it's is. the only way you can comment. That's right. Yeah. And it's like interactive. So you got people like, and we're scrolling through and it's like, you know, hey, hey, butt nose, like, you know, why, why don't you talk about Greg or Blanco or something? And it's like, uh, yeah. you know, so like I'm so like on live TV, I'm scrolling past things and it's like, you know, hey, dude, like, you know, I'm going to come kill you with a switchblade or, you know, like I, I don't get that too often, but still. <laughs> How do you how do you keep up with that? Because it seems like they're coming in so fast, and you have to like, you know, stay on topic. Yeah, it's uh, it, Teresa's more the moderator. Yeah. Like she kind of took on that role where she's going to be, you know, funneling through and doing a little bit more of that. But uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's such a like a weird format to do on live TV. As far as from our perspective, I'm sure from if you're watching it, it's you know it, it's the best thing you've ever seen, and you should definitely tune in. But like from our perspective, it's like. Ah, uh, that person just told me I've, I've got a, a butt nose and stuff like that. So, are you looking forward to not having to repeat your same very good like jokes and references from the recap on the show? Uh, I, I I never I never repeated anything. <laughs> sure, Grant. <laughs> sure. No, I, I am. Um, and when I was doing the recaps on those, those shows, you know, I would like pre-write and I got really lucky this year as far as I didn't get, I didn't have to tear up like a lot of pre-writes. Um, so I was like, <laughs> Thank you giants for being so predictably bad. <laughs> sort of early and often and I got to mail it in, but I got to publish like right as, right as it's, uh, uh, the game ended, and then yeah, but then I've got these you know these jokes, these hilarious jokes that are fresh in my mind, these timely, amazing jokes. So yeah, I'm going to use them on the TV, and now they're going to be as fresh as I can make them. <laughs> so tell us a little about the. Was, did you guys go on the air at 2 a.m. for that really long game? Yeah, that was that was the rain delay. That oh gosh, I, I think I blocked this in my memory. <laughs> It was like the rain delay, but they were waiting for rain that didn't quite come, and then it came. Is that what happened? I feel like there were two rain delays. Yeah. Didn't it go into extra innings? I don't know. All I know is it ended at like one thirty, and you guys went on the air afterwards. Yeah, we went on. I think I think two or two thirty. Um, I ended up getting starting at like eleven thirty or twelve or something. It was right. really late, and then they just blew through the game. And they, yeah, they, it was just a late start because of, and I want to say that it was, they were like waiting for the cell to come over. And yeah, it didn't I think fight. you're right. Yes. Because it had to be part of how the season was, that that's exactly how it happened. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I got, I got home that night at about four o'clock. Um, and I, it's, it's always been a dream of mine. I work with uh, Tom Ziller and Tom Ziller is a national, uh, he's an NBA writer uh, for SB Nation. Very, very good at his job. Uh, good Giants fan, good people. And he lives in uh, the Sacramento area, and he wakes up at four in the morning to do his his blogging, and then he goes to his day job, which is apparently important enough to where he doesn't want to be a, a full time national basketball writer. Um, it, it's it's the weirdest, most hilarious schedule. He's always up at four o'clock. He's the first one in the SB Nation like like Slack room, even though SB Nation is East Coast. Um, so I was able to come home. And open up the computer, go to Slack, and go, hi, Tom. It's always been my dream to say hi to you when you wake up. <laughs> it, it just tickled me. I was just so tickled. And he was tickled, too. He was like, hey, Grant, how you doing? I was like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. He's like, all right, don't die. And it's like, maybe. So. Exactly how much Pete's cold brew did you guys drink that night? Uh, I don't want to get in trouble with a sponsor. Oh, but... do we have a sponsor? 
Well, no, I no. It's just it's okay. it's it's not always Pete's cold brew in there. Okay. So on the on those nights, I learned because the first couple nights was just like, yeah, Pete's cold brew. Wow, this is like a milkshake. And like <laughs> that didn't work out well. That did not work out well. I was <laughs> up. Um, so yeah, it, it might be chocolate milk in there sometimes, but I'll never tell. You'll never you'll never make me tell. Well, is this Pete's cold brew this year as a sponsor? I don't know. I don't know. I I I, uh, I was hoping it would be like beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, not even a brand of beer, <laughs> just beer. Just just like a snifter of cognac, like you know, like <laughs> that would be delightful for me. Like at yeah, at eleven thirty at night, just yeah, I'll have like one cognac and drive home. Like I can do that. And you'll wear well wear like a. Uh, like a fine, uh, not suit. What am I saying? A bathrobe while you're doing the, doing the show. Yeah, exactly. Smoking jacket while you're doing the recap. Absolutely. Uh, or doing the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing is, it's like a new relationship. You get to try out. You get to use all your old material, recycle everything for the national beat, and all your new TV appearances. So just the last 10, 12 years of Grant Cannon just gets to come right back out, and no one's heard it. Oh uh, yeah. I'll so like, you're golden, yeah. Uh, to be like, hey, do you hear the the new one about Jason Bay? This one's gonna, right. This one's going to kill. Time to talk about the queer instructional hitting video. <laughs> the only man who's prepped to talk about John Bowker for thirty minutes on his comeback. I'll do, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just freestyle that. Uh, well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and and really appreciate you for creating the site and doing you know being everything that you've uh being everything that you've been grant being the guy that you are but uh we've got a great community and you've given all three of us some opportunities which is great and uh you've touched our lives in so many ways mainly helping making sense out of a lot of madness well Um, i appreciate it and you know what thank you guys for like one day just saying like by the way we're doing a podcast and i'm like oh that's like that's great. Like, that's, I've been like worrying, like, should I have a podcast? Oh, damn it. You guys like did it. You do it well. So good job. Yay. All right. Thanks, Grant. Grant yeah. Brisby, SB Nation um, and Sabre Award winner. Two years, two times. <laughs> not in the uh, Cup Chronicles, though. No, nope, not anymore. It's SB Nation. And- you can find him on Twitter somewhere. I'll leave it up to you to find him. Uh, thanks, Grant. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Can I real quick? Yes. I do want to clear up because people are saying, I'm sorry that you're leaving. And joke might 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 like get a, like go oh yeah he is leaving but I just wanted to like point out uh, because I've I've heard it a hundred times I'm like not leaving like I'm I'm doing just less like I'm yes. that, that's it like I still want to come around and and do stupid jokes and I would hope that you know you would let me so yeah I I think I said step take a step back I didn't mean quit I mean no yeah, I know you still did. Coming, yeah other people, people listen other people listen the it's people. Probably, you just said it the people. All right. Well, uh, enjoy your cognac, and uh, uh, we'll see you around. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye, Grant. It is now time for our Twitter questions of the week. Every week we ask for your questions. It could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about the Giants. And then uh, our, this panel of experts will take our best shot at answering them. And, of course, all of our answers are both final and binding. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Let's see, what do we have here coming up? Um, let's just, this is a very general one. Uh, at Rob Hainer, uh, Robert Hainer, he asks, has anybody on the pod been to Cincinnati? I, I'm planning on going in August for the Giants road trip. Any tips or places I have to see? I'm not eating the chili. That looks gross. 
I just want to chime in and say that that is a really smart, Rob. Do not eat that gross Skyline chili. I, you know what? I'm going to disagree. I've never had Skyline chili, and I'm sure it's terrible. But you're in Cincinnati, and I feel like it's not a real business in Cincinnati if you don't make yourself throw up by eating Skyline chili. <laughs> it's their version of Montezuma's Revenge. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> Uh, I've never been to Cincinnati. I've never been to the state of Ohio. Uh. I have been to the state of Ohio, but as a very small child, so I've got no uh, input here. Uh, you're already going to be going to the park, which I feel like is a really risky move because the Giants have usually been handled pretty easily uh, at, at that park. But uh, and it's not a playoff game. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, now Latos yeah. is pitching to Buster Posey, so don't expect any good results on the field. <laughs> it's going to be muggy, right? August in in uh, the Midwest, it's going to be really humid. So that'll suck. That's it. That's all I got for yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I wish I had yeah. more in Cincinnati, but... Uh, Andrew Bader at Andrew underscore B underscore Bader. Who would hit more home runs at AT&T Park? Barry Bonds with T-Rex arms or a T-Rex with Barry Bonds arms? <laughs> That's a creative one. Um, I would say Barry Bonds with T Rex arms. I'm that's my answer. I Barry Bonds with T Rex arms. Wait, no, no. What did you say? The choices are Barry Bonds with T Rex arms or a T Rex with Barry Bonds arms. Oh, T Rex with Barry Bonds arms. Have you seen a T Rex like the T Rex arms? They're short. They couldn't even like swing the bat. Well, you're... okay. Barry Bonds arms are shorter than a T Rex's arms, though. <laughs> Well, I feel this like Sammy, I feel like, feel like you're skipping over the most important part of all this, Sammy. Is that Barry Bonds is, if not the greatest hitter of all time, like the top three greatest hitters of all time? You're telling me that he couldn't figure out how to hit with a, an arm impediment. I, I would also say that a T Rex is a big dumb lizard that doesn't understand the rules of baseball. <laughs> I just don't think their hips. I don't think they can turn their hips fast enough. So are we just saying like arms proportional to a T-Rex or like actual the, the same size as like Barry Bonds' arms? I, and the t- you know what? I do like to take a question that might be a little unclear and throw the qualification on there. But I feel like this one is pretty straightforward, a T-Rex arm or, you know, so what is the average length of a T-Rex's arm? Doug might be right. They could be very well be... The uh, they're longer than Barry Bonds' arms, certainly. So then he's going to have these really long T Rex arms. How's he going to switch? Is he going to be able to grip a bat? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But here's my thing. Again, he still has the 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 T Rex arm still has Barry Bonds' brain. <laughs> Barry Bonds' brain, who's yeah. never used T Rex arm before. But he can learn. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he I, still I has like... Barry Bonds' eyes in that scenario, so he he could take a walk. So. No, it's at home runs. Sure, but I'm just saying it builds from there. He can don't recognize pitches. I think the other thing is that a T-Rex is so big that really any hit a T-Rex gets, assuming it understands the rules of baseball, would be a home run. You don't think it would? It hook? gets the first base. It gets the second base. It gets there in like. Two is it going to know where to run the bases? Though? No, no. I feel. I feel like we need to. I, honestly, for the sake of the question, I feel like we need to assume it does somehow figure that out. Because otherwise, the question just is incoherent. Also, who's pitching to this T-Rex? <laughs> Somebody uh, Hunter Strickland. Hunter Strickland's going to throw in on it. Uh, and then it ends with Hunter Strickland on the toilet. Um, 
No, I said I wasn't going to do that. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, at uh, Steve Svensson, at Svensson19 asks, I've had a very Brian Murphy-esque view of Melanson and his comments following his outing the other day. We're not a glowing endorsement of him starting the season at 100%. Any thoughts on him at the onset? And then he links to an article on MLB.com. Uh, where he is basically an article after his, he makes his spring debut. I am not um, – the Giants spent a lot of money on a guy that they probably didn't need to spend a lot of money on, and I'm not a big believer in Mark Melanson, but I will say that I trust him slightly more than Sam Dyson. And I would say that Melanson probably is still the best reliever in the bullpen, and I think that's why I'm so concerned about the Giants pitching. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I haven't had a chance to read that article about Melanson. I have it saved, but um, so you know, I don't. I don't think I'm qualified actually to weigh in here. But I want to. I like Melanson, and I hope that he uh, hope that he's healthy this year. I yeah. I would. I would say that you want Melanson to be like, yeah, everything felt great, hundred percent. But at the same time, you know, probably that was that's not a reasonable expectation. Um, so. Do I feel great about Melanson going into the season? No, but I don't feel terrible. I, I don't know that we have any information on him to judge one way or the other. Um, I mean, it'd be nice if the Giants have save opportunities. <laughs> right, that's the other thing. Maybe he won't blow any saves because the Giants have no saves to blow. Are we going to be in a situation where if the Giants in the first month of the season – uh, blow six saves, and we're like, whoa, they had six leads <laughs> in the ninth inning. How about that? Good job, guys. I, I would I would hope that I could evolve to feel that way instead of I can't <laughs> believe they cannot win a game. I feel like that will probably be what happens. But let me make this mark now. Folks, <laughs> if the Giants blow six of 30 games, let's say, Let's be happy that they had leads in at least six games. <laughs> Don't cry because they lost. <laughs> Smile because they led. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because uh, wasn't their record after eight innings, like, just, like, if they weren't leading, just the, just atrocious last year? Like, they had four eighth-inning comebacks, and they were all in September, something like that? There was something that ridiculous. Seems- uh, last, no, last year they were okay. It was the year before they had none. That's yes, right. I remember that. And it wasn't until the playoffs where that actually happens. <laughs> uh, okay, at Multiphasic, who I believe is a McCovey Chronicles commenter. Hi, folks. Longtime listener, first-time caller. I was wondering if you could cobble together a dominant back two of the rotation and center fielder from the various bit players. And by cobble together, I mean literally. Cut them up and sew them together. Uh, so I guess this means if we could Frankenstein some players, who would we pick? Uh, but I guess it's out of the available players. So, like, would we take a part of – would we take, like, Chris Stratton's velocity and attach it to Ty Block's arm or something like – right? Is that kind of what's going on here? I yeah, he's I talking think body so. parts. Not body parts, just <laughs> – Well, I think for sure it's body parts for center field. I feel like for center f- – or for, for the last year rotation spots, you have to take pitches because it doesn't make sense to take, you know, Ty Block's trunk and then Tyler Beatty's right arm. That's just kind of weird. Yeah. But you want the velocity of, say, Beatier Stratton and maybe the control a little bit of Ty Block? Yeah, maybe the ability to yeah. pitch. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the center fielder aspect. I, I mean, eh. I'm, I'm going to say that Duggar's legs and youthfulness and then Mac Williamson's arms and upper body. Even though Mac's not a center fielder, hey, let's just do it. Let's make Mike Trout. Uh, I think I would like Austin Jackson to... I would like to fuse Austin Jackson and Gregor Blanco together. Just in a Tuvix situation. Uh, Because then he's good from both sides of the plate. And he's... He can... If he's playing right field, he can be left-handed. So he's got the glove on the right hand. And if he's in center field, it doesn't matter. It's his choice. Uh, He's pretty fast. And he probably... I would like the on-base percentage a little bit. Uh, just based on the parts available, because I actually, I actually think Duggar, I'm, I want to just like leave him alone. Like I don't even want to. I, I want Mac Williamson to be the Giants' JD Martinez. That's what. Like I want those guys to be separate and be their own things. Um, I don't think it's going to happen with Mac Williamson, but you know that that's my counter to that. Is like, what happens if we leave those guys alone? Um, but then Bochy doesn't play them. Yeah. Right, I was going to say, they'd have to actually be able to play first. Uh, that brings the next question at Legal Eagle 88, the aforementioned Kristen. Uh, please talk about Mac Williamson and only positively. <laughs> uh, I just did it. I, I would like to see. He worked with Justin Turner's hitting coach during the offseason, and Justin Turner hits 800 and stands on home plate, which actually haven't. Does, did Mac, Mac Williamson change his swing? He kind of closed it up a little bit, shortened it, it, it so it doesn't have his, I guess, moving parts. But does he stand on home plate like Justin Turner does? I haven't seen that. I didn't notice it, I guess. So I guess he doesn't. Because Mac uh, Williamson Matt, is huge, I would notice if he was standing on home plate. <laughs> Mac Williamson is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. Uh, we're all for Mac Williamson around here. <laughs> I'm all for, like, Matt Williams from getting to play, like, longer than, like, one game and then get benched for being good. Yeah. Well, let's not go crazy here with the improbabilities. <laughs> I mean, I mean, remember last year he went three for three off Clayton Kershaw and he's benched the next game? Yes. And he, he went three for three after having a meeting with that coach. He went three for three and hit a home run, yeah. which yeah. was, I think, the only run they scored off Clayton Kershaw uh, ever. So... So, of course, he shouldn't play yeah. the next Well, day. Brett Pill had to – oh, there was another home run, Brett Pill. Those are the only two runs the Giants have ever scored on. And Brandon Hicks. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so he, if, you know, there, it's not impossible. I mean, it kind of is because Bruce Bochy's still there. <laughs> the buck still stops with him. But essentially, you could have a McCutcheon, Duggar, Williamson, or flip those corners outfield at some point in the season. And it would be the best offensive option for the Giants. Theoretically, that could happen. That's weird. Yep. <laughs> He's also got a great arm. Yes. Uh, and he plays pretty good. He's a pretty good defender. Yeah. Um, uh, Amber, at AMC underscore Bariqua 510. Who's the biggest, who's the bigger playoff choker, Kershaw or Harden? That's James Harden of the Houston Rockets. Yes. Uh, oh, so it is not Rich Harden then. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, Kershaw, I don't like the choker turn. I don't like either. Uh, but who struggled the most? Kershaw. Yeah. 
Yeah, although there was the, in the um, I think it was the playoffs in 2016 where Harden like just gave up or his team. No, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. That's backwards. His team gave up and he was the only one really trying. I mean, yeah, Harden made it to a finals with Durant and Westbrook. So and they lost. Right. And so you could say was that Harden's fault? I don't think so. I mean, they're all like 20 years old, right? Also. I mean, Harden just hasn't had. It's a little hard to qual to quantify NBA versus MLB a little bit because the meltdowns I feel like are easier to quantify or to see in a baseball game versus an NBA game. Yeah, I mean, Jim well, Harden doesn't go out there and score twelve the... points in a playoff game. That's just not going to happen. Well, Kobe <laughs> Bryant just totally choked at the end when they beat the Celtics, but no one remembers that, right? <laughs> Because uh, the whole Celtics team did as well, but <laughs> well, and I think the difference between the two is, I mean, and this isn't up for for debate, but I don't know that there's anybody on a um, basketball team that has as much responsibility as like a starting pitcher does for a star, uh, responsibility for the overall outcome of the game. I would also say that Kershaw's ascent and and dominance at the top has. What like he had a short? It happened faster, and it's been sustained longer. Whereas Harden has always been a great player who, maybe last year and this year, has finally been like, oh, he might be the best player in baseball or in the NBA. That'd be funny if he's best player in baseball. Uh, (laughs) But like Kershaw for like five years has been pretty clearly the best pitcher in baseball, right? In the regular. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like there, but the consensus has been with Kershaw for longer. And so populated over that, the sample size of his playoff performances. So like Harden now, like this would be the postseason where if things don't, if they're not in the conference finals or in the finals, now that's where I'm starting to listen to that conversation a little bit more. Does that make sense? Yes. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's a tough question. You know, competition sports is very difficult on, on the one level, you know, baseball and basketball, like one guy, there's a lot of times where you have everyone else is bringing their best against that person. Like they're spend nine guys or eight guys are constantly trying their best in their putting their focus and their absolute everything into beating Clayton Kershaw. Uh, when Harden's on the court, five other guys, never mind the coaching, are trying to kill him. <laughs> They're try- like, it's very hard in professional sports to say, oh, so-and-so choked, so-and-so choked. Did Steph Curry choke at the end of the All-Star game because he had uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant, the number you know one and two player in the league, guarding him? Was that a choke? <laughs> or was that simply the two best players were collapsing on him? Like, Depends I, on who you ask, Right, honestly. right. Is Matt Adams one of the best players, whatever, you know, Kershaw, whatever? Well, he, that was like the seventh or eighth inning of the game, right? Or maybe it was the sixth inning. But it's like he, he was working max effort for not just the whole season, but that entire game, et cetera. It's just hard to, to quantify any of that. Did the Cubs choke when the, when the lowly, pitiful Giants were beating the snot out of them? And then the Cubs still went on to win and win the World Series. Did the, did the Cleveland team, did they choke because they couldn't win? I don't know. It's baseball. These weird things happen. Hunter Strickland, though, for sure, chokes all the time. That's for <laughs> sure. 
If I if I know anything, I know that. So. Uh, Your podcasting resolution did not right. last. Did not no. last. Did not last. That guy sucks. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, uh, any more questions? Oh, at yeah, like the soup. I've thought that the Giants as a team would regress back to the mean and get better for a season and a half now. <laughs> it's clear that I no longer have the part of my brain that is grounded in rea- reality. Did the Giants give me brain damage? Yes. Yep. Of course yeah. they did. If you watched the 2017 season, then yes. I mean, if you Or count, even the yeah. second half of 2016. If you count the postseason, the Giants have actually lost 143 games in the last season and a half. <laughs> That's a lot of games. And they've just not looked like a competitive team. And I don't know what, what math has to do about that. The, basically, the math is saying the Giants shouldn't be this bad. <laughs> and yet they are. Um, and you can less come up... to do with math and more to do with the monkey's paw. Possibly, it could also just be sort of along those lines of the sports psychology or the conditioning, or you know, the Giants have been irksomely good for a stretch of time, and now every team focused all their efforts on how do we beat these guys, and fig- either figured it out or the Giants hit their ceiling at some point in 2016, and that's it. Um, I kind of am starting to believe that windows are going to start closing a lot faster. Like it already feels like the Warriors windows kind of closing quickly. I guess because I was listening to that Chris Bosch podcast with Bill Simmons and Bill Simmons pointed out like, you guys didn't last that long. And I'm starting <laughs> to think of like, yeah, these dynasty type situations are not lasting as maybe as long as you might expect them to. And And the Giants dynasty is funny because – they alternated competitive years with completely unwatchable garbage years. So was that really a dynasty? What, I mean, what was going on there? We don't know. So uh, I don't think we have any other questions for this week. I want to bring up one more topic, though, because I forgot to mention this at the start, but it's been something that's been bothering me. Uh, and I want you guys to chime in. I want your takes before we sign off here. I feel like this offseason – the Giants aside, because yes, getting Andrew McCutcheon and Evan Longoria and then making these little fringed moves that they made uh, were fun, but it was all under the umbrella of what sort of bummed me out and has actually sort of made me not dislike baseball or get out on baseball because I'm obviously going to have to be writing about it all year, but basically took a lot of the fun out of baseball, but it's been there. And that is the nerds winning <laughs> and the the the... The advanced, the analytics and the algorithmic view of baseball, you know, being the whole point of management now and affecting the economics of the game and the short sightedness and the stupidity of the players union that has basically set up these scenarios now where only a few guys get paid and all the other guys get either, you know, slim pickings, below market value, nothing. The young players are still getting screwed. The international players are still getting screwed and it all seems like it's heading towards a labor morass or malaise or a lockout or a strike. It's the stuff that the internet, all of us that came together, what kind of excited us about baseball in a different way isn't, it's not fun. The nerds winning for the culture of not baseball, but pop culture is actually pretty shitty. It kind of sucks. And I and I think that's what like this season it all just kind of collided into this whole is that fun 
watching teams na- navigate, negotiate their way around a, a salary cap. Like, yeah, that's I, not fun. I mean, no, no, it's not fun. I mean, but that is a problem that they definitely are going to need to address because, you know, in like I saw Hank Shulman was tweeting something about that earlier, and he says it makes sense that older players should make less money as they get older, whatever. That's that's all well and good, assuming you're paying the younger players what they're worth when they're at their best. But they're getting screwed over, you know, when they're young. And then it used to be that they would, okay, hopefully make your money when you're a free agent. And now that's getting shut down. So the system's, the system's screwed, basically. I, I It really feels inescapably screwed yeah because the players are going to have to do they're going to have to actually negotiate for their for all of their players which they'd never they have not done in in a generation and now they're going to have to probably strike or really make some hard demands and and be willing to make waves and baseball Does doesn't it seem, seem like, like they're in in that though i mean i it doesn't i obviously we're not privy to the ins and outs of the um of the players union but like does it i I don't get the sense that that's something that they're interested in doing i'm I'm getting the impression that that they're very very unhappy with how this offseason played out um and they're i don't know if they're how much they've connected the dots between um the the collective bargaining agreement and that they signed whenever it was and how this is going but they are not happy with musakis getting such a low contract with Hosmer being the only one who's really getting paid the way that you would expect. Um, and so I think they would be, I don't know if it would go to, you know, them, them doing them striking themselves, but they might take a hard enough line in labor negotiations that they get locked out. I can, I would not be that surprised by that because mm-hmm. of how, just because of how much the owners are going at them on both ends. Where basically okay. if you're not a superstar at 23, who hits free agency at 27, you're not going to get paid the way that you should. Right. But then they're going to, and then they'll, they still find ways of knocking that salary down to what essentially would be below market rate. And listen, if you don't like this part of the conversation and you don't like our opinions of it, fine, turn it off. But the <laughs> baseball is an $8 billion a year industry. These people don't, the people who bought the teams are without exception buying these teams as another revenue source versus their regular business that allowed them to amass their wealth that gave them the possibilities of buying a sports team. So the idea that they need these teams to be pure profit generators to help them get by is absurd. And there's no reason for us to take the side of ownership. Oh, but it's my team. So I only care about my team. I don't care about the players. What's going to happen is your team's going to start to suck. There's just not going to be the players that they're going to either get or invest money in. The idea that we have to villainize the players for the good of our teams is absurd. It's absurd. I would say the, the crucial thing is they're going to suck and they're still going to make money. And it's yeah, going right. to be because you're supporting them because they're because they're your, your team. Right. And who's like you're still going to support – say you're still going to support them either way. Well, who would you rather your money go to? Like the billionaire that doesn't really need money or the, the player that's got like – 10 15 year uh, career and then you know then it's over like i i'd, I'd be happier with the player getting the money i, I would be but, happy with m- m- as many players as possible on my team getting money and yes. i mean and that affects even the minor leaguers the fact that oh, the players the players union has basically taken a f- steaming dump on minor leaguers and said that's what you get and that's what you deserve because 
all of our 31 to 37-year-old guys need to be making all the money. That's basically what the Players Union has been saying for 15, 20 years. Um, you know, now those chickens have come home to roost and agreeing to salary caps in the draft, it screws everybody. So now you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. They'll get the, they'll, they'll just get young players through the farm system. Well, I don't know if most fans have taken a look at how restrictive it is to draft and deal with all that stuff. Now it's really restrictive and it does cause team. Like if the giants wanted to switch their whole model, it would still be pretty hard for them to do what other teams did before all these different the new cba imposed all these limitations on there because they put them in part because of what the dodgers were doing because the dodgers were like okay we'll spend money on our talent so because we have the money to spend so we'll just spend it there and then the old hats the old you know the reinsdorfs of the world are like no spending money on baseball players is a mortal sin and then that's and and that's what the owners agree on and so it's 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 a it's not fun to me that the nerds have won. It's it's not fun to me. Uh, uh, seeing Jake Arrieta, I don't like Jake Arrieta. He got a three year deal worth seventy five million dollars, and people are complaining about that because he's not worth that much money. So it's a bad deal, and it's just like that's even those levels of thinking are absurd. We have no clear understanding of how much a player could be worth, and all your numbers of like oh win. This player is worth this many wins, and a win is worth this much money. It's well, all based on the abstraction, the idea that there are limitations to how much money these teams can spend. There is a finite pool of money, but the teams can spend double what they're spending and be fine. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, to, to counter, not count, completely counter what you said, but you can still have that view of like, pay, you know, paying people what, they're, what the projections say they're worth. But then you need to be paying them up and down the organization and in the minor right. league. Right. And when they're young players, when they're making you the most or they're being the most productive for your team when they're still under arbitration, they're, it ain't making shit. Oh, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> we, we can swear. It's fine. Grant's okay. fine. It's fine. So, but I'm <laughs> saying if that's how you want to look at older players, then that needs to be how you look at players, period. It needs to be up and down. So there's like there's middle ground here. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. Well, what I'm saying, you're right, but. Uh, not you're right, and really, what I'm getting at is just this idea of we can pick things apart. We can take the joy or the interesting part out of baseball by picking it to death with numbers. This is not me saying we need to go back to, you know, the the uh, the Tom Verducci mentality or the Bob Costas mentality of what baseball ought to be, but simply the idea of it's been weaponized in such a way that it has now actually made baseball less fun or and interesting. Because now it is really run the numbers. What do the numbers say? And that it should be close to that. You know, it, it, it's 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 you know the Giants have some idea of this when they're like Hunter Pence may not be worth eighteen million dollars a year at this point. Or actually, probably a better one is Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum was probably not worth the value of that last big contract he got on the stat sheet, but he had value to the organization. And so they paid him what his value was to them, which is almost exclusively what any other industry does when they're they're negotiating with employees or talent. Like you are worth, we want you a part of our organization. We feel you, that this is the value you have to us. We're paying you the value that we see it. And if you're just, if we're a Giants blog and we're looking at Jake Arrieta saying that deal and saying he's not worth $25 million a year, Maybe he's not worth $25 million a year to the Giants, but he is to the Phillies. And what's the problem with that? The Phillies yeah. have $25 million a year to spend on one player. They simply do. 
Is Jake Arrieta the best person to spend that money on? Who's to say? But someone better than him they could spend more money on because all these teams are flush with cash. And that's not changing anytime soon. So I, I guess that was my thing. It was just sort of a bummer. You know, the Giants are benefiting from the Rays and the Pirates essentially tanking. But they were also – and the Giants were willing to blow past the the tax to get a guy like Giancarlo Stanton and pay most of that contract. Um, so you can't really say – it's not really that the Giants, I'm saying, are like being these spendthrifts. Although they certainly have in the past and we've been critical of them for doing that. I'm simply saying the economics of baseball are screwed up and the fact that to some degree we are complicit in that and helping that, you know, the whole money ball idea of, of it, of it, that it's been weaponized essentially to sort of take away. And then that's sort of my thing. That's sort of how the world is working. Oh, the information is being used. It's being used against the spirit of what it was intended to be, you know, and that's just not fun. It's not fun. I don't care for it. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Doug, yes. All right. So uh, that'll be the end of this show this week. <laughs> but send us your questions uh, for next week's show, um, and I will uh, put them in for answer. That's a really bad transition. Guys, thanks for coming back. It's so great <laughs> to do the show again. Hopefully you'll stick around the season. It'd be great. Of course. Um, all right. Um, you can find us all on Twitter somewhere. Uh, first, our <laughs> podcast account at Mick Croncast, and I'm at Every Sixth Day. Sammy Doug. Oh, sorry. I'm yeah. at Sammy S A M I Higgins. I am at Moonwalk McFly. And we will be back next week with more Giants commentary. Thanks for listening.